Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Ah. And we welcome you to a Monday afternoon of Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Super Talk TV coming to you as always from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. You can learn more about Pearl River Resort on their website, pearlriverresort.com. We'd love to hear from you this afternoon. C Spire text line is wide open as we get started. 601-879-4395. Whether you've got wireless needs... Home internet, fiber to the home needs, or you've uh, got business IT needs. Cspire can help. Learn more online at cspire.com. Cspire.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. See, this is one of those times where we could just not say anything, but that's not nearly as much fun as telling a story. We have we have so much to get to, by the way, this afternoon. Um, Scott Berry is going to join us coming up in uh, oh, about 20 minutes. Mike Bianco will join us in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Mississippi State tied up with practice today. Chris Lamona is not going to be able to join us this afternoon and uh, and certainly understand that. A lot going on surrounding Mississippi State baseball. But I feel like I'm breathing hard, boys. I sent you guys a message about 20 minutes ago. I was like, I think I'm going to make the part, beginning of the show, but if not, I'll be there shortly thereafter. I was uh, piddling around in the yard just a bit. And off kind of in the, the side of my yard. So the, the, the family that had the house that we live in years ago, the, uh, the lady was, she was kind of a master gardener and spent all kinds of time in the yard. And the yard's beautiful. We just kind of inherited that, which is awesome. But there is a water faucet like over on the far edge next to the property line, kind of in a shaded area under a couple of cedar trees and next to a magnolia. And it's one of those water faucets that just, it's just a PVC pipe that sticks up out of the ground. It's got the little hydrant on it. And I think the idea was when she was working in the yard, she could attach a hose and have a small area that she needed to get to, as opposed to having to drag a hose all the way across the yard. Uh, I backed over that with the, um, with the lawnmower and turned it into a water geyser in the yard. And so it was the quick scramble to, uh, turn the water off. Run to the store, grab the uh, the little PVC parts necessary to try and cap the line. Had to do it faster than I wanted to, so was hopeful when I turned all the water back on that it didn't turn into geyser round two. 
Thankfully, it held, or at least as when I left the house, it was still capped on. We'll see what it looks like when I get home tonight. But, whew, that was an unexpected detour late in the day. I'm starting to see why you move so often. You're a home wrecker. Not a home you just, wrecker. You just take these houses and you just you just ruin homes. You don't flip them. You you ruin them. People okay. come in after you. They're like, my God, the renovations we're gonna have to do. It's just a metaphor for Deion Sanders's roster management. Hmm. See, hey, Ed, I, I thought that you were going to the Deion like, Sanders of homeowners. Hmm. I thought that Flashy, you were going to say. But... You know, I'm I'm impressed, Richard, that you broke a water line, had the tools that you needed to to quickly turn the water main off to the entire house. Where were exactly, you back in January? Knew exactly or what December you needed, or whatever that was, to quickly when I needed the, you to grab the pieces and the parts. Already had the primer and the the cement for PVC pipe so that you could quickly repair it, and still made it to the show on time. Where were you on that day when I needed you? When I was and, trying not to be waterboarded in my own home. Yeah, you know, that was... Um, the fact that you were doing water maintenance, plumbing maintenance, and didn't turn the water off to I your house... That. I did it! That, I did that. it! I did it! I wasn't doing anything. Daddy was watching the Saints when that happened. Well, there, there's your sign. Good there to be you with go. you this afternoon. Um... All right, so normally we would kind of do a quick recap of the weekend before we dive in, but there is bigger news today to start things off. News out of Mississippi State. Scott Foxhall, the uh, pitching coach at Mississippi State for the last four years under Chris Lavonis, has been relieved of his duties. He is no longer the pitching coach. Hey, Dad, what update do you have for us? That's really all you have right this second. Mississippi State has made the decision to go ahead and relieve Scott Foxhall of his duties effective immediately. Uh a decision that was clear and obvious going to happen by season's end. But the way this pitching staff performed this past weekend and the, the weekend before that, to be honest with you, uh, and this whole season. I mean, we, we talked a, a little bit about it, um, I guess, on our call this morning. But State's com- in-conference ERA is 982 now, if you're not a huge baseball, I mean, you don't have to be an analytics fan to know what ERA is. But that means State gives up, on average, in conference play, 10 runs a game. Uh, they've given and, and, up, and that's earned runs. That That's not total that's earned runs. runs. That's not the, counting, the total number of which, runs you is know, actually a little higher because well, higher, of some as defensive you know, State's defense is dead last in the conference as well. Um, so this was a decision that was it was clear clearly going to happen. I, I, am, I will admit to being surprised it happened today. I thought it would just be one of those things where they would just ride out the season, but apparently it had reached the point that Chris Lamonis felt it had he had to go ahead and just rip that off, that band-aid off and see what happens. Hopefully for Lamonis' sake, State will show some improvement so that he can point to that and say, we, we, we're going to fix this problem. We're Mississippi State. We can go out and get an outstanding pitching coach to come pitch here with all our talent, with all our support, with all our money, and uh, that'll be the case. But... Lamon Lamonis, I, I see Foxhall as an anchor, and he could have. I, I think by by casting him off now, Lamonis may not have sunk his ship. He may be able to 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 come back for another season. I think if he had let, I think it was going to get bad enough, and it may still get bad enough. There's 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 no guarantees, but 
leaving Fox Hall in for the rest of the year and letting this team just get lit up next weekend with by Arkansas and the weekend after that by LSU, you had to try something. You had to do something. I don't know who they're going to bring in in the interim. Haven't heard that yet. My first thought, as I mentioned today, on, on it'll be on tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning podcast, which I have a funny story about. Uh, my first thought is, do you just call Jay Powell and say, come in for a month, come in for three weeks, help us out, get through the season, call any number of former MSU, former pitchers, and just be like, we just need somebody here to guide us for three weeks? I don't know the answer to that question. But then I, I believe this, this, this decision now allows State to get the jump on a lot of other schools who will want to hire a pitching coach, and we'll see where they go. My, my guess is one of the calls will be in this very state. They'll talk to, to USM. They'll want to talk to Christian Ostrander. And then beyond that, I don't really know. I, I completely get that this had to happen, right? I, I mean, when you look at the numbers for the pitching staff, a change had to happen. I understand that. But I also would ask about the entire body of work and say, is this a function of all of a sudden Scott Foxhall, uh, Scott Foxhall doesn't know how to coach pitchers and doesn't know how to get his guys ready, or is it simply a function of available arms? And, and the reason I ask that is you, you think back to the 2021 national championship season where Mississippi State rode Will Bednar and Christian McLeod and Landon Sims out of the bullpen and Cade Smith as a freshman and a bunch of other guys that were impact pitchers, Houston Harding and Preston Johnson and Brandon Smith and K.C. Hunt, I guess, as a freshman at that point. So many guys, Stone Simmons that contributed Jackson Fristo. The, the list goes on and on and on. He had a lot yeah. of tools at his disposal that year. Does any of that matter? No. I guess not. But, but, but I mean, you understand, because, you, you understand the question that I'm yeah. asking. Clear, clearly, when he had a deep and healthy pitching staff, mm-hmm. he, along with, with Chris Lamonis, we're pushing think, all the right buttons and pulling all the right strings. I think when you look at the way State's recruited pitching the past few years, they have missed on a, so many guys. And these are guys, you know, you know, in high school they could throw because they got offers from Mississippi State and along with other SEC schools. Mm-hmm. But they get to Mississippi State and they just lose the ability to throw strikes. I mean, State has so many guys, has two or three guys that they're pitching on SEC weekends that have no business pitching in SEC baseball. Just, just no business. They can't. They can't be competitive at this level. So, so I guess the larger question is: Is Scott Foxhall simply a scapegoat, or was this the right decision? I believe this was the right decision. I'm still not totally sold that Chris Lamona should be back. So I want to see how this, this season finishes out. They, 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 if they get swept out again, you, can't, you could, you know, you, I don't know that you want to bring anybody back. But now, at least now you have the opportunity to see if you can bring in somebody. I don't, and that's the thing. Like, I don't know how much you can change in three weeks, right? They've been practicing since fall on the Scott Foxhall approach. What can you change in three weeks? I don't know and, the and answer. It's the to same that. guys. I mean, yeah, you don't have a roster change. Not like they, you have a pitching yeah. coach change. 
We'll talk lots more about this throughout the course of the show this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi just getting started with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Southern Miss coming off another sweep this weekend of Arkansas State. We'll talk with Scott Berry coming up next. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Southern Miss has won six games in a row. In four of those six games, they have scored in double figures. Going back to last Sunday's win against Coastal Carolina on the run on the road where they scored 15, scored 11 in a win at Tulane on Tuesday night, scored 12 in game one of the weekend series against Arkansas State, and 17 in the uh, the Sunday finale in which they swept Arkansas State. Scott Perry joins us right now on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Coach, I know five games in a week is a lot, and you probably, uh, you know, if you could choose to play four in a week or five in a week, I'm assuming you would choose four, but going five and oh over the course of five games between Tuesday and Sunday, that's not too bad. No, I'm real proud of our guys, Richard, honestly. I mean, and, and if you look at it even a little bit further back, we've played eight games in 10 days. Mm. So, you know, that stretch goes back even a little further. And, and those, uh, when you start taking all that other part in, that was on the road, getting in late last Sunday at, at two in the morning back to the clubhouse to turn around to have to go to New Orleans and play on Tuesday. Uh, so it was a grind, but our guys, hey, they they uh, they hung in there and and have been playing really good baseball. So real proud of them. So let's start with the midweek. You you had to go to New Orleans, and that was the quick turnaround that you were talking about just a second ago. After getting in late Sunday, early Monday, you turn around and, and go to New Orleans to face Tulane. You beat them eleven to ten, and then you come back home and you get a win against uh, a pretty decent Louisiana Tech team, six to five on Wednesday night. Yeah, and both of those games, uh, you know, they uh, we had to win them late. In all honesty, I mean, that two lane game, we were up eight to two. We put up an eight spot there, and I don't know what inning it was. It was early in the game, like the third inning, and uh, and then you know, all of a sudden, two lane starts coming back, and we're down ten to eight, and we're going to the top of the ninth, down three runs, and and uh, or down two runs, and we hit them for three and get out of there with an eleven ten victory. So. Was real proud of that, but then had to turn around, like you said, played La Tech on Wednesday at home, who had beaten us in the previous week on Tuesday in a low-scoring game. And we were kind of cruising along, sitting there, and then all of a sudden, you know, they blow the yard for a three-run home run eight to make it six to five. So things got real interesting, but, you know, our bullpen, uh, they're late in the game on the back end. We're able to take care of business. and You know, we get out of there with a six to five win before we opened up another conference series against Arkansas State. Scott, did you notice anything different Tuesday and Wednesday? And, and I asked that because you told us when we talked last Monday that, that your team had not played very well in, in midweek games really throughout the course of the season. It was, was there a greater level of focus? Is there some belief that's starting to kind of creep in, especially to the offense? What was it? Well, I think there is some belief in the offense, and I think it started on Sunday against Coastal Carolina after uh, getting beat that Friday and Saturday and losing the series and knowing the sense of urgency of having to win at least 
that one game and not being swept. I mean, I knew it was going to be devastating. We talked about it a week ago if that happened, and we had to do everything we could. And, and for whatever reason, uh, you know, scoring that 15 runs and, and beating a very good Coastal Carolina team on the road in a, in a must-win situation that we felt like really kind of gave us some momentum going into that Tuesday and, and Wednesday game. And, and like we've said before, we were three and five in midweek games, so we had a chance to this week uh, even or last week even that up at, at five hundred and and tomorrow night against Tulane we have a chance to finish you know above five hundred one game above five hundred in our midweek. So, but I think it was I think that that momentum from from Sunday is what kind of gave us some confidence there on the offensive side, and and it's just continued to to, to go on as we play, Coach. When when you look at you know the, the course of a season, we all talk about you want to be playing your best baseball at, at the right time, and you know we're only a few weeks away from conference tournament and and then into the NCAA tournament. Do you feel like your team is starting to peak? Well, I think when you look at the offense and 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 the pitching, everything coming together as one. I think we're playing our best baseball now. I, you know, I think when you look back in the first four weeks, uh, you know, three of those four opponents, we did what we were supposed to do. Um, we we won the series. Illinois was the only series that we did not win. We swept Dallas Baptist, who has been playing phenomenal. I mean, they're really good. And mm-hmm. so, but you know, we took care of business with them. But you know, you say you want to be playing your best baseball there at the end. You're right, but you have to be playing good baseball before that to even give yourself a chance. If if you haven't taken care of business along the way, uh, you may have buried yourself, even though you do play your best baseball. So I feel like that, you know, given everything that, that we've, we've played pretty good this year, not like certainly we want to, but right now over these course of these six games, we've, we've found ways to win in a number of ways, coming from behind, holding on to leads, uh, run ruling somebody yesterday. So, you know, I feel like we're, we're playing pretty confident uh, and probably the best that we've played. So, Scott, last last Monday we talked about Tanner Hall having a, a stat line that is not what we're used to seeing. Uh, it looked like his normal – or he looked like his normal self on, on Friday night. Seven innings, 15 strikeouts, only two walks. He gives up just one run and, and three hits. That's what we're accustomed to seeing, right? It is. I'll tell you, that first inning, he was really dominant. The, the leadoff guy got a good swing off on him and lined out to center field. But the next two – uh, next two batters, he struck out, and he's out there in 11 pitches, which is normal for, for Tanner, and the ball really had sink, had action. But then, you know, we revisited a little bit of what's kind of haunted him this year in, in the second inning. He goes out, and he, he walks the first two guys on eight straight pitches, and you're going, holy cow, how could you have had the inning you just had and, hmm. and walk the first two guys on eight pitches. But you know what? The good ones have a, have a way of, of, of making those adjustments of what they need to do. And from that point on, it went strike out, strike out, fly out to first base and inning over. So, and that was the only two walks in the game. And then he proceeded with another 11 strikeouts over the next, uh, five innings. I mean, it's incredible, right? I mean, you go back to back walks and then none the rest of the way. And then another guy. I mean, Billy Oldham, you didn't expect him to be in the role that he's in, or at least I don't think you did when we were beginning this season. And he goes out and gives you seven innings on Saturday. You know, he had a rough a rough outing last week as well at Coastal. But, you know, he's pitched really well. He reminds me of Hunter Riggins, our Saturday guy last year, 
who was a graduate transfer into our program from Delta State. He just has that pitch ability. He's got three pitch mix and commands his own. He can plus and minus. You know, at Coastal, he just didn't show up with stuff. And they're a very good offensive team. And he just didn't have the stuff to beat them, in all honesty. Uh, but, but every other outing, in all honesty, outside of a UNO on the road trip, He's had really good stuff, and he did uh, against Arkansas State. Tommy Raffle was very complimentary of him and, and how he could really plus and minus and, and really just settle in there and pitch, and that's what he did. Going seven innings, only giving up four hits, and he gave up one run and one earned, but seven strikeouts over two walks. So, you know, the key to that series last weekend, uh, Richard, was we used four pitchers in the first two games. So we had all our bullets ready to go for Sunday. So I'm thinking about Slade Wilkes and kind of his career progression. I mean, the numbers this year speak for themselves, and it's not just the home runs. I mean, he's got the, the 17 home runs, but there's 11 doubles there as well. I'm kind of thinking from you know from two years ago where he played, what, in 30 games and he hit like 150, and then he takes a step forward a year ago and just a monster step forward this season. What has allowed him to, to grow the way that he's grown? I think it's just experience and at bats and time in the box against live pitching and trial and error, failure and success. I think it's the adjustment of the game and just being able to get caught up to the speed of the game. He played, he played at an academy, um, you know, and, and obviously they didn't see division one pitching like, like he saw his freshman year and sophomore year, but Slade has really developed himself nicely. I, I tell you one thing that's helped his swing more than anything, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but he had labrum surgery uh, this past at the end of summer. And so in his mm-hmm. rehab, he had to come back and, and his swing, when he did swing off the tee, when he wasn't, you know, just short tossing, working that, but he's also, you know, his, his plus tool is, is his back. And so, to, to go back swinging off the tee, working himself back in it, he had to start at like 25%. And so it just kept him under control and kept him under control and, and didn't allow him to get big. And it, and it almost retrained his swing to where it now became a more flat path swing than some of that launch angle stuff that we read and we see. And he had it. And, uh, but now, boy, I'll tell you what, that, that barrel stays in the zone long. And, and uh, when it connects, uh, he, he hits the ball as hard as anybody that I've ever had. And, I mean, he absolutely hits it as hard as anybody. It's got only about 30 seconds left. South Alabama coming in this weekend, obviously midweek first. But uh, that has been a series of midweek games in the years past. Now it's a conference series, and, and you know what you're getting into with them. Oh, yeah. Good program. Great tradition there at South Alabama. Uh, I think they're 21 and 21 right now in the year. Don't be fooled by that. They've won their last five uh, conference series uh, and did it again this past weekend against Troy. So, you know, I think they're a different team on on the weekend than they are uh, middle of the week, obviously. But you know, they always uh, they're always give us their best, and hopefully, we'll give them our best as well. Should be a great atmosphere at the Pete this weekend, Coach. Always appreciate your time. Wish you the best. We'll talk soon. I uh, appreciate it. Thank you, Richard. Scott Berry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll be back with you after this. Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. 
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. We'll have winners and losers to start the 4 o'clock hour. College football fix in the 5 o'clock hour. Plenty, plenty, plenty to get to with you on this Monday afternoon start of a new week. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. We're coming to you, as always, from the Pearl River Resort Studios. And we'll remind you that the best way for you to be part of the conversation is on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Remember, don't text and drive. Send us a message. We'll be safe about it. If you got to do it while you're on the road, use the voice text. Uh, we would uh, would love to hear from you. Um, I feel like we need to go back to what is kind of the biggest story of the day that fell into our laps about oh, 1 o'clock or so this afternoon and that is the uh, the news out of Starkville. Uh, Mississippi State, Chris Limonis, um Scott Foxhall has been fired as the pitching coach. He is not being retained for the remainder of the season. This honestly is, is rare in college baseball. You see coaching staff changes all the time, but baseball is one of those things where it happens at the end of the year. Now in football, it's becoming more and more common, uh, more and more common to see a head coach let go before the season comes to an end, and some of that is calendar-related. We've seen it a number of times in basketball where guys step down before the end of the season. In fact, we've seen that twice at Ole Miss with each of the last two head coaches, right? Andy Kennedy stepped down before the season came to an end. Kermit Davis was fired before the season came to an end. But this is a little more rare in baseball. In fact, I can you guys think of an example off the top of your head where you've seen in college baseball a, a mid-season assistant termination? Not recently, no. No, nothing high I mean, profile. It's because you, know, you fire your defensive coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. Well, a linebacker coach can take that over. Uh, your, your safeties coach can take that over. You, know, you, you fire a head coach in basketball. Or one of the assistants can just jump up and become the interim. But in baseball, one guy is the pitching coach. The other guy is the hitting coach. And the other guy is the head coach. And then you have a fourth guy who sort of does whatever it does. It's State uh, Cheeseboro works with the catchers. You don't have another guy. You know, you're asking, it would be literally like asking Zach Arnett, okay, you got to call plays now. So you have to go from outside. And I mean, obviously, you can't pluck a pitching coach from another school right now. Everybody's going to want to finish out their season. Nobody's going to walk away from a team right now. So you have to sort of do what I was talking about. Do you find a former player or somebody who's, who's retired right now who isn't coaching anymore to, to, to take that job? So it's, it's a more difficult you know, All right. hiring process at this point in time. Sure. And, and you're not making a hire before the season. I mean, un- unless it's... three weeks don't matter. They don't matter. The, the no. question is: Is this a is this something that? I mean, can you ever make a hire without the blessing of your athletic director? But was this something where where Lamonis and and Selman sat down, and Selman gave him the go ahead? You're going to return. Changes need to be made, and then Lamonis went ahead and made those changes because the next three weeks don't matter. It, I am so disinterested in who who is the pitching coach for the next three weeks. It's who's the coach next year. If it is Chris Limonis, did he do this today with the blessing of his athletic director? 
why today, why now? And as Zach Selman saying, you're back next year, but changes have to be made. Like That's what I'm curious about. Why and, today and, and why now? We have zero sample size to have any idea what's going on in Zach Selman's head. Right? We, we, we have, there is no track record. There's not a track record at Mississippi State. There's not a track record anywhere else. It's his first time as an athletics director. And, and so we don't know what this means, or at least I don't think we know. Hey, Dad, you may have a little bit better feeling on it than I do on what this means from Zach Selman's standpoint. I, I, Borky, yeah, I get your point in, like, it doesn't matter this year. Not really worried about who the pitching coach is for the final three weeks of the regular season and whatever's left of the year. It's about what, what it means going forward. But I am, like, from a pure logistics standpoint, hey, Dad, if they don't go out and pull somebody in to just come in and call pitches and work with the pitchers over the final three weeks of the regular season, what are the mechanics? Who's calling pitches? Yeah, I thought about that because the only way you could do that if you don't hire somebody, bring somebody in, I don't think you could let Ross Highfield catch again this year. No, well, it, you'd have to I, let Luke Hancock do it as a, as a fifth year senior who you I would trust him to call the game. I don't know. I mean, Highfield. I'm sure he's you know, he's called games. I don't know if he's ever called a game. I don't know if he's ever been in that situation. Yeah. Hancock, at the very least, would have to be. I think the guy you'd put behind the plate the rest of the year. And you don't want that because you want Highfield to get at bats. He needs them to continue his development. I mean, I was thinking a second ago, it's like if you had Logan Tanner, you wouldn't worry about it. You're like, okay, he's calling the game. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's fine. You know, we're, I, I, we're going if, to work with him on what the plan is going in. But Right. If Hancock was just the catcher, if, he, if there was no, it was his position and he wasn't platooning there, I would have no problem just saying, all right, Luke, you call the game. But if you're going to put the true freshman behind the plate, that's that's a different story, I think. Especially when you're talking about so many young pitchers, too. Guys, you know, still in their first year. Was Chris Lamonis a pitching coach at any of his previous stops? No. He's not, no. Okay. I mean, he I mean, can go call a game, though. Sure he can. Yeah, I mean... It's the same thing, like with Arnett, who likes to like joke, like I, I don't know. If, if if Zach Arnett had to call plays, he'd figure it out. Chris Lamonis is an experienced baseball coach; he could figure it out. But I'm sure he'd rather find somebody to take it for the next three weeks. And and there, like I said, I think there will be people available to help. That's what this is. It's just you're going to come in and you're going to help for three weeks. Yeah, we'll pay you some money, but you know. Sure. Um. Do you think that this decision means that Chris Lamonis is safe? And, and and I feel like I need to ask another question or or make a statement before you answer that. I wonder if this was about placating fans a little bit. Like the 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 outcry from a passionate Mississippi State baseball fan base had gotten to the point where Zach Selman said to Chris Lamonis or Chris Lamonis said to Zach Selman or some combination, hey, we got to get through the end of the year. We're obviously going to talk when the season is done, but we got to do something to try to settle this down and turn the attention back to the team for the final three weeks. Very possible. 
I mean, I, I don't like the. I, I don't think the idea is 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 Lamonis in there saying, "Man, the fans are just on my butt. I got to do something." I, I I don't think that you know I got to throw them a bone. I don't think that's where you go. But this move certainly placates fans at the same time because they've been calling for Foxhall's head for months, months. I mean, there was there was never any question that the game again, the final game of the Texas A and M series, or if State were to somehow make it to Hoover, whenever they got eliminated, was going to be the last day for Scott Foxhall as Mississippi State's pitching coach. There, there was never any question about that in my mind. Basically, going back to the uh, the tournament in Frisco. Um. Now you, like I said, you can get a little bit of a head start on that. Start, start, you know, and you're able to talk to your recruits, talk to your players who who might be considering hitting the portal and saying, "All right, this is what we're going to do." I don't, I don't think it was it was done, you know, with the fans in mind. And as far as your first question about, you know, is basically you're asking, is Lamonis safe? I mean, State's lost now four in a row in the SEC. They play Arkansas this week, who's coming off of a sweep of Texas A&M, one of the best teams in the country. State, when they've been good, has had problems with Arkansas. The, the national championship was swept at home. The national championship team was swept at home by Arkansas. So, I mean, what am I expecting there? And then you have LSU, the best hitting team in the country, the week after that. I mean, that legitimately, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say State could be run ruled in all three games. There, it's it's, it's very possible. And then you have an A&M team coming in at the end who's going to be fighting for tournament position. They're going to be trying to get in. If they get swept the last three weekends and they've lost 13 straight to finish the year and they finish last in the SEC for the second straight season, you don't have to twist my arm very hard to, to get to Chris Lamonis has to go to. A lot of ifs. That's the worst-case scenario. But in reality, when you look at these last three weeks, does anybody see more than three wins? And see, State get maybe a win in each in each series. I don't see them getting a win with LSU, to be honest. And if they finish eight and twenty-two, what are you doing? Well, and, and LSU has gone from having not swept a team in conference play all year swept long to back-to-back sweeps. Arkansas two weeks ago looked not good. They weren't playing good baseball when they went on the road to Georgia, but they went back to Ballmarker Stadium. I think for Mississippi State, it's fortunate that this series is in Starkville and not in Fayetteville. Arkansas yeah. is like 28-3 and at home this year. Seven of their ten losses have been away from Fayetteville. And so you do get them on the road, and so maybe there's something to that. It's a... Um, hmm. It's a strange time. Strange time for college baseball in the state of Mississippi. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Great weekend for Southern Miss. They get a sweep of Arkansas State. They are currently second place in the Sun Belt Conference, one game behind Coastal Carolina. So not only do they trail by a game, but the tiebreaker belongs to Coastal Carolina. Mississippi State gets swept on the road against Tennessee. We'll talk 
more in the 4 o'clock hour about the weekend and kind of how it unfolded or not, if you prefer. Whatever. Um, and then there was Ole Miss at home in Oxford this weekend. They get a win on Friday night against Georgia, 7-3. to They lose game two, 7-3. to And then in a really entertaining game yesterday, Ole Miss wins the series in walk-off fashion with drama to the very end. Mike Bianco will join us later in the show this afternoon. Um, and we'll talk with him about what it felt like in that locker room after his team got their first SEC series win of the year. The road for Ole Miss is long and it's arduous and it's unlikely that they find themselves in an NCAA regional. Extremely unlikely. Not impossible, but extremely unlikely. But the road to the SEC tournament is a little more clear than it was just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, guys, we're, what, a week removed from feeling like Ole Miss in the SEC tournament? Which, by the way, is just kind of a given, right? For both Mississippi State and Ole Miss, and it doesn't happen for Mississippi State last year, and if it started today... To given. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the point I'm making. If it started today, Ole Miss would not be there. But when you think about the remainder of their schedule it feels like there is more of a path than there has been. And Ole Miss did some good things this weekend, especially on the mound. They got two good starts, one just okay start. Uh, JT Quinn was not great. Xavier Rivas was pretty good on Friday. Uh, the freshman, Grayson Saunier, was really good yesterday. Jack Doherty got the save on Friday night. You were able to lean on him in that role for the first time all season. I thought he battled yesterday. Kind of asking a lot for him to come in and finish the game off over the course of three innings, get the final nine outs, you know, not allow anything to happen. Against a Georgia team that swings it pretty well. It was a good weekend for Ole Miss. Maybe it's too little, too late, you know, maybe all of those things. And it doesn't change the overall frustration of the season, but it was a good weekend for the Rebels. Yeah, I mean, they're they're five and sixteen. Uh, even eight and one down the stretch might not be enough because their RPI is in bad shape, horrible shape. I mean, they went fourteen and sixteen a year ago, so they'd have a worse record. And thanks to John Cohen, they got in with an RPI of thirty-eight. They're sixty-five uh, right now. Uh, but yeah, to your point, I mean, all of that the the disaster. That has been the season they got to win for a weekend. And, you know, guys like Peyton Chatagnier, who ha- have given the program so much and, you know, been good representatives of the school and all that stuff, you know, one of, one of the players that you really enjoy having in your program, he's been, let's be honest, he's been awful at the plate for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Had four hits on the weekend. I think two yeah. home runs, right? So that that's little things like that in an otherwise disastrous season. It got to make the team feel good, coaching staff feel good, and fans feel good. Both it's, it's nice for to win one sometime. And McCants had the game winner, and he's been struggling mightily at the plate as well. So, yeah, it, you know, sometimes it's just uh, as Kevin from the office says. Sometimes it's just nice to win one. 
or two in this like, case. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the the teams that miss the SEC tournament are going to be State and the loser of the Ole Miss-Missouri series. Simple as that. Whoever wins the Ole Miss-Missouri series is going to get to Hoover. The loser will not. And State won't make it either because of the way their schedule plays out here at the end. Just too tough. I mean, we've been talking about the finishing stretch for Mississippi State's schedule since before the season began, long before the season began. Like, we first peeked at that in January when the schedule was released, and we were going through it, and it was like, oh, oh, look at, oh, final four weekends at Tennessee, home against Arkansas, at LSU, home against Texas A&M. That's how it finishes. And we, interestingly enough, we talked about the inverse for the Ole Miss schedule. The problem is the solution to both of those went without happening. For Ole Miss, it was tread water for six weeks. Don't dig the hole too deep, and then you got a chance to stack up wins at the end. For Mississippi State, it was you better pile up wins in the first six weeks and then just not go in the tank over the final four weekends. Unfortunately, neither of the the other part of it happened in Oxford or in Starkville. Four o'clock hour coming up next. We'll do winners and losers. We want to hear from you on the ceasefire text line. We'll be back right after this. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. We got a question on the ceasefire text line asking if Chris Lamonis was going to join us today. He is not. Uh, he is not dodging an interview or anything else like that. He's been great uh, being on with us week in, week out through what's already been a difficult season. Uh, but there are a few other things that are going on in and around the Mississippi State baseball program that he needed to focus on this afternoon, and uh, we certainly understand that. So look forward to catching up with Chris next week, uh, back in his regularly scheduled time, but he will not be with us this afternoon. Uh, if you would like to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Ceasefire text line. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. And that's right here in Seaspire country. Check them out online. Seaspire.com slash business. Let's do some uh, some winners and losers, shall we? All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. We 
did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? That's how we go about winners and losers. Michael Borky, lead us off. You know, it's a shame that Steph Curry shares a team with Draymond Green that is coached by Steve Kerr. Because uh, despite the unlikableness of those two, Steph Curry reminded everybody, everybody who he was in uh, a historic Game 7 performance. Greatest of all time, people are saying. Game 7 performance. Tell them about it, Houston Nutt. 50! 50! 50 points, 30 of which in the second half stole the soul of the Sacramento Kings. The environment was awesome. The game was back and forth, and then Steph Curry again decided to remind everybody who he was. Unbelievable performance. Struggled a bit in the first half, did not in the second. Was efficient. Six assists, also to just one turnover. 50 points. Uh, Tied for the most made threes in a Game 7 and the most points scored ever in a Game 7. Steph Curry is still the man, and he's a winner for that. Best shooter ever? Greatest shooter of all time. Yeah. And we, man, another another winner just sprung from that. The NBA. Warriors, Lakers, they couldn't ask for any. I mean, you already got good series with Knicks Heat and Celtics Sixers. Those are huge rating series as it is. Warriors, Lakers, LeBron Curry. I mean, that's that's what the NBA wanted. That's what they wanted. And they got it. Hey, they give me a winner. They want Lakers Nuggets. Uh Brent Rooker. Named AL Player of the Week today. He is off to a fantastic start uh, with his new team with the Oakland A's, the, the for now Oakland A's. Uh, but hitting 353 on the year, nine home runs, 24 RBI. OPS is 1.244. I mean, that's pretty darn impressive. Been waiting on Rooker. You know, I knew eventually he was just too talented to, to not break through at the big league level at some point. It looks like it's finally happening for him uh, out in Oakland and what might be the final season in Oakland. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, it could very well be the case. Uh, we're going to talk more about the draft later this afternoon. I'm going Philadelphia Eagles. And I know not everybody is necessarily in agreement with how good their draft was. But I feel like there's somebody in the Philadelphia Eagles front office who goes, Hey, guys, let's not outthink the room. Okay. I know everybody's got their draft boards, and we evaluated players. And we... Who are the best teams in college football? Well, Georgia the last couple of years, Alabama. Okay. Let's draft a bunch of their guys. They take Jalen Carter with the number 9 pick out of Georgia. They take Nolan Smith, who somehow was still available at 30. They take former Alabama offensive lineman Tyler Steen, they take Georgia's Keeley Ringo at 105. Now, they got a guy from Illinois and a guy from Stanford and a guy from Texas as well. But when you have seven picks in the draft and four of them were stars at either Georgia or Alabama, that feels like you're doing it right. So Philadelphia, a winner, not out thinking the room, going out and getting good players off of good teams or maybe really good players off of great teams, and then bringing them into your culture for a team that played for a Super Bowl a year ago. Feels like there was that was it was a good good weekend for the Philadelphia Eagles. I forget who he was talking to, but the GM of the Eagles is a Florida grad. And they they posted the video of him talking on the phone with the player, "Hey, we're going to pick you here." 
And he said, it you was know, Ringo. it was Ringo. He said, you know how hard it is for me yeah. to draft all these Georgia players as a Florida grad? And Ringo laughed and said, well, yeah, you want to win, right? Mm, good stuff. <laughs> good, good stuff. stuff. Uh, here, let's do a little snake draft here. I'm going to give you one more winner. Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. Deuce Vaughn is the son of Chris Vaughn. Chris Vaughn, former assistant coach uh, on the Ole Miss staff. Deuce was running around the halls in the Oxford School District quite a few years ago. He's not big, but he's really good. And it was getting late in the draft, and he was a little discouraged. And he talked to his dad, and it was almost like the dream wasn't going to come true. And then the next pick came up for the Dallas Cowboys, and he was the top player on the board And Dallas turned to Deuce Vaughn's father, Chris Vaughn, who is the assistant college scouting director for the Dallas Cowboys, and said, we're picking your son. Why don't you call him? Hmm. Chris Vaughn, after the fact, said, I'm not thinking we're taking Deuce, because when I come in, we're talking about a couple of other players as options. I commented on the guys we're talking about, the positives, the negatives of taking him there. I'm completely team first. But, yeah, there's that inner struggle. Once we finish that conversation, We as a group decided on a player. We went on the clock. I thought we were taking that player. And then they changed their mind. And Jerry Jones said, well, go to the phone. How about that? Love it. How good is that? And and by the way, Deuce Vaughn was really, really good at Kansas State. At 5'5", 179 pounds at the Combine... He rushed for over 1,400 yards as a junior and over 1,500 yards, nearly 1,600 yards as a senior. That's really cool. That's really cool. When you, Real quick, when you play FIFA, like when Messi retires if in, in a franchise mode, it does a thing called a regen. It'll create a new player that's Messi. This is, this is the regen of Darren Sproles. Sproles is retired. Here's another Kansas State running back that does the same things and is small like him and will probably be a 10-year pro that you don't want to see on the other side from you. You know those Kyler Murray photoshops that people share where they, they make him really, really tiny and the football is huge, yeah. like bigger than his head? Mm-hmm. That's actually a uh, That's ball. him. That's what he looks like on the field. Yeah. And yet, because of his size, you're seeing Darren Sproles comparisons. Darren Sproles also was Kansas State, wasn't he? Yep. If if Deuce Vaughn could have Darren Sproles' yeah, career yeah. in the NFL, it'd be uh, it would you know good good pick Dallas. Yeah, Dak, good pick. Dak would like that. Uh, Saban's a winner. Twenty seven losses. I've heard that in his time at Alabama. Twenty seven losses, forty four first round picks. Mm. Forty four first round picks. Twenty seven losses. From the man that cares so deeply about competitive balance. Yeah. Eh. Hey, Dad, you got another winner? You're not going Taylor Gooch from Live Golf? I don't know who that is. He's had a pretty good two week run with about $9 million. Yeah, okay. Okay. Well, how about a loser? Well, the Saints are winners, too. As I said on Twitter, I'll say here after uh, analyzing the draft cast and uh, the, the draft class and punching the numbers and looking at the roster objectively, of course, 
I've determined that they're going to go seventeen to zero. So oh, I got a winner! I got a winner! It kind of it's kind of tied to the Saints. Okay, James Borky. I'm going to record that, and I and I guess loosely Michael Borky as well. There's some pretty good fathering going on. So we're on our call this morning, and Borky's like, "Oh, James knows the whole roster." We're like, "Sure, he does." And Borky goes, "Hey, James, who plays quarterback for the Saints?" What Derek do you say? Carr. Derek, Derek Carr. Carr. Yeah. And and he continues to go running back, Kamara, receiver, Olave, defensive back, Lattimore. And it just goes on and on and on. And we're like, okay, that's pretty impressive. He's the man. Yeah. He's a diehard already. I keep adding him. I, I'm going to start working on the offensive line, but that's going to take some time. Sports Talk Mississippi. More coming up with you. We'll get to your winners and losers when we come back. Number one for Sports Talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports Talk Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi continuing with winners and losers in this 4 o'clock hour. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? We've got uh, a bunch of yours to get to, and uh, we will get to a few more as well. It was another weekend of, of sweeps in the, uh, in the SEC. Vanderbilt is able to sweep Kentucky. Florida sweeps Missouri. Tennessee sweeps Mississippi State. LSU sweeps Alabama. You had Ole Miss as the only team to win a rubber game this weekend. The only series that had a rubber game was in Oxford with Ole Miss's series win over uh, over Georgia. And Auburn surging all of a sudden. And uh, they get the, uh, the series win against South Carolina this weekend as well. So any other, uh, any other winners that we need to get to? What about the uh, other side of the coin? ABC. And wh- whatever producer approved the images oh, in B-roll oh. at ABC. <sighs> However, Tough. people are like saying that he needs to be... The, the internet's ridiculous. The internet's obsessed with people getting fired from things that pay the bills. This person doesn't need to be fired for this. However, during uh, the, the Knicks broadcast... As, as you guys know, and all of you listening know, sometimes there's just B-roll. If there's an Ole Miss game, sometimes they'll have B-roll of the square or of Taylor Grocery, and the same thing in Starkville. It's the district. It's stuff like that. They used an image of the Statue of Liberty going into a commercial break that had the Twin Towers intact in the background. Yeah. And and the, the internet got outraged because the internet's always outraged, but you can't do that. Why are you using a two decades old image plus? Anyway, like does ABC not have a more recent photograph of New York City to use for a basketball broadcast? But they approve all of those images. Somebody sat there and thought, you know, that one's good. That had the 
the intact Twin Towers in the background. Crazy. So, just a little bit of background, not on that specifically, but how that process works. So they call that stock footage, stock images, or not images in this case, but stock footage. And they will send production crews to places to shoot video, B-roll video, as Borky called it just a second ago, that can be used. But they don't just shoot one thing. They'll get a bunch of different locations. If it is a day game, it has to be light outside. If it is a night game, it has to be dark outside. If it's over the Christmas holiday, then it's got to be Christmas lights. Like I did an Arkansas game a couple of years ago, and they do a big Christmas light display kind of around the square in Fayetteville. And they sent somebody in a day early to go shoot video of that that could be used not just for that game, but for all of their games kind of during the holiday season while those lights are up. But you also have to, like, time stamp and date stamp when it is and what it is. And Borky, I couldn't agree with you more. I have no idea why ABC or ESPN still has anywhere that is even remotely close to available footage from pre-2001 for New York. Do you know how many events ESPN slash ABC have produced in New York City since 2001? Since January? (laughs) Since January of 2023? Yeah. There is plenty of stock New York City footage of all the things, of Times Square, to the Statue of Liberty, and of the Freedom Tower, and of the 9-11 Memorial, and of Central Park, you know, Broadway, lights, taxis, daytime, Brooklyn Bridge. I mean, you name it, they've got it. I have no idea why that was still... Like, if you tell me, okay, they're not going to destroy the footage, okay, fair. But um, the idea of having that readily available. Somebody sends us a message that says, it's so we don't forget. No, not in this case. No, that was an accident. They they admitted so in a statement. It was, yes, they quickly said it was a mistake and we apologize. This should not have happened. Yeah. Good call. Hey, Dan, do you have a loser? I mean, it feels like I could just say Mississippi State baseball. As I should. I mean, they led in every game, and they lost every game. They led seven to two uh, on uh, on Friday on my way home from Oxford. I was just like, okay, going pretty nicely. Maybe they can bounce back here. By the time I got home to Starkville, it was starting to get away from them, and it eventually got fully away. Um, the pitching was just a nightmare again this weekend. Um, and then we see the results of of of, of that fruit being uh, harvested today, with, with Scott Foxall being being fired. Mississippi State's lost uh, four straight, uh, five of their last six. You know, coming off of that those back to back series wins, you think same thing as last year. You thought, okay, they're about to turn it around. Here, here we go. They're going to get things going in the right direction, and they just don't. And instead, you you may be on the verge of a, of an even worse collapse than you had last season. How many? I'm scrolling through right now. How many 10-run rule games 
this year? I think it's five. One against Kentucky. You've got a couple games. Two against like, Vanderbilt. You've got a game against no, one see, against no South because Carolina. that Vandy game. That Vandy game, the the second one, they scored all the runs in the ninth. That's right. So it looks like a run rule game, but it's not. Okay. Hmm. Whew. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of headed that direction, too, but it just feels like piling on, and that's not my intention. And, you know, what? Tennessee's done that two weeks in a row, right? Where mm-hmm. the first game of the series has been like a crush-your-soul game. They did that to Vanderbilt, where they hit two solo home runs in the bottom of the ninth to tie it, and then a walk-off home run in the bottom of the 12th. Mm-hmm. And then against Mississippi State, Bulldogs climb all the way back after being down 7-1. to one, And then Tennessee comes back and... They hit the walk-off. And then Saturday was, or I guess it was Friday. I mean, that's the one you're talking about, right, where State jumps mm-hmm. out of the lead. Yeah, They score three in the first. They get a run in the third. They're up four to nothing. And they're up seven to two. And then Tennessee just starts pouring it on in those middle innings. Four in the fifth, four in the sixth, two in the seventh. Boom, boom, boom. It's 12 to eight ballgame. And, and by the way, the Tennessee's Saturday the game. hottest team in the SEC right now. The Saturday game, I mean, in the first inning, Tennessee has six runs on two hits. It went walk, walk, three-run homer, walk, walk, three-run homer. I mean, you can't, you can't live like that. Yeah. I said Tennessee's the hottest. I guess Tennessee and LSU are both kind of on a heater right now. Yeah. Never but, walk away from a heater. Uh, let's see here. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Your winners and losers. One winner for state, Tyler Davis. He looked good out of the pen on Friday. That's it. The rest is crap. Okay. Uh, winner, St. Louis Cardinals. Not. Houston Nuts says worst start in 50 years for the Cardinals. The Giants got three off them. That's how bad they are. Uh, I don't know about this. I guess I'll just take your word for it. Loser, the umpire yesterday at Swayze, he was in the run path at home plate. TJ bumped into him as he ran through, saw TJ tell the umpire sorry, and the umpire turned around and cussed him. Yeah, that seems inappropriate. Uh, Lucas and Union, winner. Is that Ali? Ali Toasty? Or Ale Toasty. Ale Toasty. Got in the PGA Mexican Open on a sponsor's exemption, finished in the top ten, and with it a spot in the $20 million Wells Fargo Championship this week. Yeah, Ale Toasty. Ale Toasty sounds like a very small craft beer bar outside of Seattle. Lucas also says, loser, Grizzlies. (laughs) It could also be one of the beers sold at that bar. Yeah. You're like, yeah. I I always think when I want to get craft beers, just give it an 80s song name. Yeah, can I get a She Blinded Me with Science? Yep. Nobody would question that at any microbrewery in America. They would go look for it. What do you want? Uh, give me the 8675309. Yep. They, they, you, you could, they would sell you. They would find a way to sell you. It'd be the worst beer ever. People would buy it. Oh, I know. Yeah. Two, you're making my, two, you make my dreams come true. Sold. Yep. 
Uh, this is a uh, great idea, by we the way. We have a craft beer bar, yeah. <laughs> we just name everything after 80s songs. Winner, Rick Stansberry, now an assistant coach for Penny Hardaway at Memphis. Winner, Tanner Hall, career-high 15 strikeouts. Winner, Auburn Baseball. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here we we go. go. Super Talk Mississippi. Well, I'm going to miss her. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Let's recap the uh, draft for the in-state schools. Ole Miss ended up with four players drafted and another, what, half dozen undrafted free agents? I believe that is correct. Jonathan Mingo to Carolina. Early second round, 39th pick. A a chance for him to play. I saw a headline earlier that he's going to be a staple of Carolina. Hold your horses. Uh, they've got they've got other bodies there, but he's got a chance to play, uh, especially if he's you know a willing special teamer. Uh, not great depth there, but frontline starters to where he won't be thrust into a situation he's not exactly prepared for. New coach, new regime, new quarterback, chance to play right away. It's a good spot. I agree. If we rewound a year to this time last year, and we had been talking about players at Ole Miss and Mississippi State that could be drafted in the second round, would any of us have suggested that Jonathan Mingo was on his way to a second-round draft pick? No, I wouldn't have. I don't think so either. And it was be- there had always been this huge amount of potential. What was it, three years ago where you had that game at Kentucky yeah. where it just flashed? He was like a monster. You're like, all right, Jonathan Mingo's coming out party. He and looked like A.J. Brown that day. Same jersey number, everything. Yeah. And, and then it was sporadic, but he was... I mean, he and Malik Finley... Those are the two primary targets. This, uh, I'm sorry, Malik Henry. Malik can't read. Malik Heath. Yeah, there he is. But I even, was sitting. I was looking at two names that were right there next to each other. And uh, anyway, but, but even this season, uh, absent the Vanderbilt game where he had a billion yards and a billion touchdowns against the better teams, uh, wasn't highly productive. This this was a, a pick from the Panthers on on testing, tested really well, combined really well. Apparently. Seems like a bright young man. Apparently interviewed very well as well. This was a, a, an upside, a, a potential pick as opposed to a production pick. 17% of his career yardage is the Vanderbilt game. I mean, this is all based on 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 potential. 
based on potential from film, but also measurables. And and we should be reminded right. once again about, yeah. how much the NFL puts into that. He's big. He's strong. He's thick. He's durable. He jumps. He runs fast. I'm sure they really liked the games where Ole Miss had to play him at tight end, basically because they didn't have anybody else, and he was willing and, and physically capable of lining up inside and and doing that. I'm not being sarcastic. I, I'm, I bet they saw that and thought, okay, this kid's tough. He's a willing yeah. blocker. That kind of thing. That, that's the kind of stuff that gets guys like Mingo on rosters for a long time. Because he's not the fastest guy. He, he's not the fastest guy on this team. It doesn't look like, based on depth, he's going to start. So how do you get on the field? Play special teams, and you do all the other stuff right. And he looks like he is certainly willing to do all that. And so that's that's going to be what keeps him on the team, what makes the team, and, and gets him in the lineup, is, is that kind of stuff. Tavius Robinson in the fourth round of Baltimore. Great spot for him. Also, it's a good. It's just a good culture, you know. If you rank the organizations in the NFL that you want to play for, yeah, I mean, Baltimore's and, up there. It's and, not the and, number one, but it's up there. No, and a, a team that traditionally has been good defensively mm-hmm. and and puts a premium on defense. I, I understand Lamar Jackson, and and they've kind of evolved a little bit. Zach Evans goes in the sixth round to the Rams. It's a steal. He might. Speaking of playing right away, have you looked at their depth chart? It's another Mississippi guy. Although Zach Evans is not really from Mississippi, but whatever. No, he's not. And him? Yes. I mean, he's got a chance to get RB two carries right away, even as a six round pick. And if he doesn't fumble it, he might get RB one carries. It's been a bit of an issue. Um, Nick Broker, seventh round of Buffalo. He'll get a chance, right? He'll get a shot. Yeah, for sure. No. Undrafted free agents from Ole Miss. KD Hill to the Jets. Troy Brown to the Giants. Otis Reese to the Titans. Mason Brooks to the Washington Commanders. A.J. Finley to the Chargers. Malik Heath to the Packers. Of those six names, who is most likely to make a team? Heath. Here's why I say that. Look at the depth chart of the Packers' wide receivers. Look at what they have at wide receiver. <laughs> I mean, it is horrible. And they're, it's young, so they haven't had a chance to produce, I suppose. But when you look at what it will require, who he'll have to beat out to make a roster, that is the best possible place for an undrafted wide receiver to go to at least get a practice squad contract. It's horrible. Worst wide receiver room in the NFL right now. I think I might vote AJ Finley. He 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 can kind of do whatever you need him to do, right? I mean, he can go to the safety spot. He can go to the corner spot. He can play in hybrid spot. He can help in the run game. He can cover. He can play special team. Like he can play every special teams. He can be on kickoff team, punt team, punt return team, kick return. And you can re- you can make a roster if you can do that, if you can play multiple special teams. All right, Emmanuel Forbes, we talked about him on Friday. He goes 16 overall, first-round pick to the Washington Commanders. Do you think he'll end up starting this year, Hayden? 
We'll see. I mean, when you when you look at the the Commanders roster, there's not a you know a dominant corner there. I, I mean, a first round pick, you've got to feel like they're going to give him every opportunity to start. Uh, Mike sends us a message on the ceasefire text line. Think about this: Jonathan Mingo drafted higher than both AJ Brown and DK Metcalf were drafted. It's crazy. That's, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. Is there a scenario where the success of A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf led NFL yes. teams to look a little harder at an Ole Miss wide receiver that's built like those guys? Which is, which is funny because the NFL failure of Laquan Treadwell hurt A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. They should have both been first-round picks, but everybody looked at them and said, well, they come out of that Ole Miss system and Treadwell was so bad that in the pros... So let's drop them down a little bit, and now it's come back around. And, and and forgive me when I said looks like both of those guys. That's not fair. Jonathan Mingo looks like AJ Brown. Yeah, actually, maybe a little bit bigger. Looks like he, nobody looks like nobody. DK Metcalf. Nobody looks like DK Metcalf. That that's still. I mean, yeah. I, I know I know it gets brought up all the time. I, I guess I suppose seeing maybe how Luke Brown Cage fell looks like. Him. But the fact that thirty-two NFL teams decided to pick somebody besides DK Metcalf. Is still so mind blowing, and, and you know, overcoming the great odds of not being a top ten player in the state of Mississippi. But uh, you know, DK Metcalf it just physically <laughs> it's funny every time. It's just physically built so different and runs so different, and somehow there were people that get paid a lot of money to scout that looked at him and thought, "Eh, I don't know." His success in the NFL should surprise zero people. He was the 64th pick of the draft. How does that happen? How does that happen? That that again, his success should surprise nobody. That is the most obvious success in the NFL that you can imagine. A guy that size that can run the way he does and catch the football. That is what I I don't get it. I, I still will never understand how that happened. Forget the three-cone drill. Let him run straight and throw the ball up in the air. Imagine hey, that. What about Cam Young to Seattle in the fourth round? I like it. That 3-4 defense, Cam Young's a big space eater. I said it on Saturday. I think we'll look, you'll probably look up in a decade, and he'll still be plugging the middle for somebody. He'll be like a Kyle Love kind of guy. Guy who was a signing day offer for Mississippi State. Now he's a fourth-round pick. Good for him. That's incredible. Hey, when I was thinking about the underdrafted free agents for uh, for, from Ole Miss, KD Hill, is there a scenario where he turned uh, the the former Ole Miss nose tackle that went to the 49ers? He was from South Carolina, loved barbecue. His dad was a barbecue cook. Why can I not think of his name? Middle of that 49ers defense. Thought you guys were going to help me. Hey, Dad, you know more Ole Miss history than I do. Good grief. DJ Jones? I was thinking DJ more about Jones, barbecue. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Is there like a DJ he Jones did. future for KD Hill? Maybe you hope Maybe. so. He's if you talk to people about him, he is an exceptional young person. All right, Tyrus Wheat to Dallas as an undrafted free agent. Colin Duncan to the Rams. Randy Charlton to Miami. Which one most likely to make a roster? Wheat, and the the contract reflects that. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll talk about Southern Miss's draft pick when we come back. 
on your day. Wake up with Gallo tomorrow on 97.3 FM, Super Talk Mississippi. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Glad to be with you. Ceasefire text line, that's how you can be a part of the conversation. 601-879-4395. Hey, Dad, uh, we were quick to the break there just a second ago. Any thoughts on Colin Duncan to the Rams, Randy Charlton to Miami? I'm surprised with Duncan I, I, because I thought he was—he's a real—he's been a liability in coverage at, at times. He's good in run support, good tackler. He's good over the top, but you know, in today's NFL, where, where their safeties are getting matched up with receivers all the time, that was a weak point for him. I was surprised he was the safety that picked up a deal and not Jalen Green. Charlton, South Florida—that's his home. I'm sure he'll—he'll he'll give it a go there. We'll see what happens. He showed he can make some plays here and there. Just he lacked consistency at state. All right, so what about Southern Miss? The Cowboys got Eric Scott, corner from Southern Miss. The Cowboys, in their official tweet, put near 40-inch vertical with an 80-inch wingspan. Talking about Eric Scott and playmaking ability. Southern Miss, that was the only the only draft pick for Southern Miss. Um, but several others. Offensive tackle Tykeem Doss has been invited to... Uh, he uh, Undrafted free agent signed with the Ravens. Um, Dominic... I'm going to mispronounce his last name. Kewan? Kewan? Has been invited to minicamp with the Bears... Natron Brooks has been invited to minicamp with the Jets. And and minicamp is not the same thing as being an undrafted free agent. UDFA is where a guy signs with a team as an undrafted free agent, which is what Jason Brownlee did with the Jets. By the way, I like that signing for the Jets. Jason Brownlee is a really good player. Yeah, for sure. I, like, like, that's that's a make at minimum a practice squad, but maybe make a roster guy. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised at all at a minimum to see him on a practice squad. I, I'm glad you put it that way. and I, I won't name names because I screw up all the time, too. Uh, we are not immune to it, but I, I had uh, a game on yesterday, and then after the game, uh, news came up, and they were going through the list like we were, and the guy kept saying, made the roster, made the, this player made the roster, Katie Hill made the roster, this guy made the roster, and I was screaming, I was like, no, they didn't, no, you're getting this wrong. This only means they were in, invited to try to make the, the roster. It's There's only 53 that make it, and teams bring in up to 90 if they want to. None of these guys, even, which Jonathan Mingo, of course, is going to make the roster. You don't cut second-round picks, especially ones that are going to play for you, but even Mingo has not yet made the roster. None of them have. That that happens in August. 
drove me nuts. Yeah. But, you know, he's human. But these guys are getting a shot. They're getting a shot. Right? I mean, you get invited to minicamp, you got a chance. If you are a minicamp invitee and that's all, it's a long shot. But look, you may have heard this before, but Kurt Warner was playing in the Arena League and bagging groceries, and he went on to be a Super Bowl MVP. So, you know, you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, there's a chance. It's a long shot, but it is a shot. And for these guys that are undrafted free agents, it's a little bit better shot. If you were drafted in the seventh round, your, your chance is a little bit better, but you had not done anything yet. Yeah, You're, you're a top three-round draft pick. You're getting a legitimate chance. Oh yeah, you'll you'll make it. But and in, I say top three, probably more like top five rounds. In these mini camp guys, even if you don't make, I mean, the the number of times players get called in to fill needs in practice squad slots when people get hurt, I mean, it, it's still valuable. Like even if you get cut, it doesn't mean your career's over. It doesn't even mean your season's over with that team. I mean, how many times? I don't know how how closely you guys follow it the way I do, but the Saints are adding and cutting players like every week all season long to the practice squad or, or whatever. And it happens all the time. Guy gets hurt, and somebody has to come in. So just being there, and that matters. Because down the road, mm-hmm. if you if you impress, then when a guy gets hurt, let's just say a wide receiver gets hurt, and you're a wide receiver, they move one up from the practice squad. Guess what? they got to put one on the practice squad. And then there you are. And, and boom. It's an yeah. interesting world being one of those NFL players. The guys that are constantly getting cut and moving around and being on four different teams in a year. It's an interesting life. Pays well. Especially if you're smart with it. Yeah. Um, I got one more late edition winner. The organizers, Kenny Ferris, Leanne Stubbs, Pam Swain, Nadia, the whole crew... At uh, at visit Oxford for a wildly successful double decker. For the most part, the weather cooperated. A little bit of rain on Saturday afternoon. Huge turnout for the uh, the double decker spring run Saturday morning. Great crowds all day. Music was fantastic. Everything operated smoothly. Fault Jackson, ninety seven point three. It's time for more sports talk, Mississippi. Finally, finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour with you on this Monday afternoon. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Can you believe we're still sitting here with like 70 degree highs at the end of April? Oh wait, it's May 1st. 1st of May. Like we're low 70s all week long. You know what that is, Brian? Hey, Dad. You know what that is? Keep it down now. Keep it you down know what now. that is? That's, that's, that's perfect. beautiful weather. Golf weather. Yeah. Perfect, this is perfect golf weather. weather. Perfect. For you to take advantage of dancing rabbit 
Golf's two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can book your tee time. You can plan your trip online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Check them out online, ceasefire.com, for all your wireless, home, Internet, and business IT solutions needs. That's ceasefire.com. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Mentioned them before the uh, the end of the hour. Thanks to Visit Oxford for having us out once again for Double Decker on Friday. It was a spectacular weekend there was a ton of work, every bit of a year's worth of work that went into that. And uh, for the most part, the weather cooperated. The music was great. Whether you were talking about the, the Blue Delta Blues Alley or the Nicholas Air Main Stage, where the big acts were, it was just fantastic. The vendors were as good as they've ever been. The food was spectacular. Uh, police department did a incredible job. I, I talked with uh, Chief McCutcheon on Saturday night for a while. He was very pleased with how smoothly everything had gone. Just a good weekend all the way around. But it doesn't have to be a special weekend for you to visit Oxford. Go to their website. See the events page with all the stuff that's coming up. Visit OxfordMS.com. Still a little college football fix. Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on. BuyFordNow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Take advantage of uh, good financing offers. They've got some good ones for you available. Test drive an F-150 today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. All right. I'm going to give you guys two guesses, but the first one doesn't count. What conference do you think had more players drafted than any other conference this year? Ooh, uh, the Mountain West. First one doesn't count. No, no, that's not right. it. So that, there you go. It is not the Pac-12, and I know that in part because uh, Jed Fish, Arizona's head coach, mm-hmm. uh, last year, never tweet. There's don't post on social media. Just just don't do it. Never do it. Last year. After the draft ended and not a single Arizona player got selected, he said, never again. Well, guess what happened a year later? Never is such a long time. (laughs) Never say never. Never and ever are bad qualifiers. Whoops. So, no, not the Pac-12. The SEC has led in terms of number of draft picks... In 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and this year, 2023. Every year since 2007, the SEC has had more draft uh, players drafted than any other conference. Leading the way from the SEC, I know you're going to be shocked to hear this, but Georgia and Alabama led the way with 10 draft picks each. Most by any school. Next was Michigan. By the way, for all of the flack that Jim Harbaugh has taken from 
the khaki pants stuff to the climbing a tree with a recruit to a sleepover to a recruit's house to hosting camps and running around his khaki pants with no shirt on and all of the stuff. And then nearly being fired and having his contract negotiated down and staying on and flirting with the NFL. It took a little while. Jim Harbaugh has built Michigan into a power. Now, is it good enough to compete with Alabama, Georgia? I don't know. On the right day, probably so. I mean, they've beaten Ohio State the last two years, and we feel like Ohio State is good enough to compete with Alabama and Georgia. Maybe not beat them regularly, but compete with them. They proved it in the playoff. Absolutely. Which says to me Michigan is, is they're there. Jim Harbaugh, to his credit, for all of the weirdness, all of the strangeness, all of the quirkiness, all of the goofiness, has built Michigan into a college football power. You know what he needs? What he's missing? A dynamic quarterback. He hadn't had one. Ooh, didn't that change last year? Did it? With J.J. McCarthy? But, but, but did it? They're pretty good. Yeah, Shea Patterson once. Don't forget. <laughs> I think that's what will take them over the top. That's what allowed Ohio State to compete with Georgia. I mean, again, field goal at the buzzer to beat Georgia last year without three offensive starters. Why were they able to do that? C.J. Stroud. Yeah, J.J. McCarthy was just okay last year. Um, 2,700 yards, 22 touchdowns, five interceptions. Feels like he probably takes a pretty big step forward this year in terms of his numbers. So Michigan with nine draft picks, TCU with eight. They belonged. They just played the best team in college football on on a on a bad day. But but they belonged, man. They may not this year, but last year they earned the spot that they had. Six draft picks from Clemson, Florida, LSU, Ohio State, Oregon, Penn State, and Pittsburgh. Five from Auburn. Maryland, Oklahoma, Purdue, South Carolina, Stanford, Tennessee, Texas. Those two lines, that's your difference with the SEC and everybody else. Bad Florida team relative to their competition. Still had those draft picks. Not a good, not a bad, but not a good South Carolina team. Auburn team that got their coach fired. Mm -hmm. And look at how many players they put in the NFL. That's the difference between this league and all the others. The bad teams are filled with NFL players. Ole Miss in a group at four that includes Houston, Illinois, Iowa, Kansas State, North Carolina, Notre Dame, UCLA, and USC. Now, the USC thing is going to change over the next couple of years because they are stockpiling talent. Mm -hmm. No question about that. You know, and there's this... is Caleb Williams going one next year? Yes, yes. Unless something unusual happens between now and then, barring injury. Yeah, I mean, unless somebody I like the the name that stands out to me. I'm gonna pull a Levis here, but if Joe Milton were to like have Hendon Hooker's numbers, Ooh. he could go one. Ooh, that's a yeah, that's a good thought right there. Because the physical. It, traits are it, just stupid. He'll test like Richardson. 
Check out my uh, my interview with Ben McKee of Go Vols 24-7 on tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning podcast. There you go. Doing your SEC previews, right? That's right. Doesn't this also demonstrate something that... Yeah, we're, we're seeing this thing happen in college football where the SEC and the Big Ten are separating themselves. And part of that's cultural, right? Uh, not to pick on the Pac-12 again. They don't care like they care here. Or like they care in Ohio and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin. They just don't care out there. And when you don't care, you don't invest. When you don't invest, you're not successful. But there's nothing the Pac-12 can do as a conference that will ever get them as deep as the SEC. There's nothing they can do. There's just more players here. There's just, And if you look at the, the breakdown of, of states that produce draft picks... It's California, which, you know, it's a big one, but it's Florida, Texas, Louisiana, Ohio. Mississippi's in the top 10, 12, whatever it is, and there's 2.8 million people here. I, I, I'll let you guys think about this through the break. We're going to talk with Mike Bianco coming up next, unless you've just got an answer off the top. Give me the name of somebody that was drafted outside of the top two rounds that you think is going to be a star in the NFL. Is there anybody that, that pops for you? I got one. I'll give you mine. With the third, uh, the sixth pick of the third round, the Houston Texans took a five foot eight, 165 pound receiver that I think is going to be a star. Tank Dell from Houston. University of taken by the Houston Texans. That dude can play. I might be bad, bad, bad wrong on that. That's my guy. Mike Bianco joins us next. Farm Bureau phone line. Opening in Mississippi sports. You'll hear about it first right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Time for our weekly conversation with Ole Miss head baseball coach Mike Bianco. He joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Coach, appreciate your time as always. Let's start here. One thing that has never changed this season with your team is they've played really hard. They've played hard all the way through, but they haven't necessarily had the results to go along with it. What was it like yesterday for you to walk back into the locker room, walk off the field after it was over with that series win, and kind of get to see them enjoy uh, an SEC weekend after taking two of three from Georgia? Well, first, you know, thanks because you know I think that's you know, probably the biggest compliment that you can give a coach, right? You know that you know the team plays hard, and you know, especially through adversity, especially when things aren't aren't you know necessarily going your way, you're not playing well. But uh, you know, it was, it was good. You know, we 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 you know we haven't had many walk offs. You know, we we had one against Purdue, and then before that, it was we didn't have any walk offs last year. How about that? You know, to win a national championship and not have a walk off, and and certainly you know this year. Uh, we've 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 been walked off, or had it gone the opposite way for us. So you know, just uh, happy for the guys, you know, and happy that they continue to to show up and and, and get after it every day. 
So let's walk through the games. First with, with Friday night, um, you get the 7-3 to win. There were some clutch hits that were in there. There was some, some add-on stuff. But I feel like it's got to start on the mound, one with what Xavier Rivas gave you, and then at the end especially with, with what Jack gave you. Yeah, you know, so you know the decision to put Jack in the bullpen just, you know, again, I think just needing the lift, uh, as we just mentioned. You know, we've had some games that – you know, slipped away from us. Uh, you know, but, you know, we've had some games where, you know, the starting pitching hasn't been good. But to, to have that bullet in your gun, obviously, was a big thing. And, you know, we're at a point where we got, we got to go for it. So, you know, Xavier, you know, gives us an opportunity to win like he, he normally does. Uh, but it's not super clean. He, he gives up a couple runs in the second, runs his pitch count out, and then we go for it. Uh, we go with Braden Jones, we go with Morrell, we go with Nichols, and then eventually, you know, you know, we go with Doherty. You know, at the end, but he was he was lights out at the end. I think he had five strikeouts, you know, five of the six outs, you know, two innings, you know, five of the six were strikeouts. You know, it's crazy. I, I guess sometimes because of where you are in the season, the decision is made for you. But is that still a little unsettling on Friday to say, I don't care how many bullets we have to fire, we're firing them all. We're going to go try and win this game. Well, it's it's certainly not by design, but you know, let's face it, you know, the season hasn't been by design and and you know, be careful what you design because a lot of that, you know, hasn't, you know, uh, hasn't come to fruition, you know, for us, you know, and uh uh but like I said to have Jack at the back end, you know, was big and it ended up being big even though it wasn't pretty, you know, on Sunday, but uh no, you're right. I mean, I think, you know, we're at the point where, you know, we we got to we got to keep firing the gun, you know, hopefully bullets keep coming out. So game two, I know disappointing loss. Charlie Goldstein on the mound for Georgia was really, really good in that game. And my guess is you look at that walk number at the end and you feel like maybe that's maybe that's the difference, the seven walks. Yeah, and and probably and I don't I can't recall the inning now, but I want to say it was the third inning uh, where. Uh, yeah, not no disrespect to Georgia. You, you, I don't want it to come across wrong where you say you gave them you know runs, but uh, you know where they get three runs and don't get a hit. That doesn't happen uh, you know much. And you know with, without an error, you know we gave them you know two walks, two HPPs, and three runs, and you just can't do that in our league. So we give them three runs, you end up losing seven to three. So we don't pitch it well. Uh, and then you know uh, you know Goldstein was just too good on the mound, and you know we'd like to do a better job. We have to do a better job, but he's been really good for them all year long in conference play. And then yesterday, and there, I feel like a lot of things that you can talk about from yesterday. You, you get the clutch hit from McCants at the end. You get a really, really good starting performance from Grayson Saunier, probably the best that he's pitched, I guess, since he's been on the Ole Miss campus. Jack has to kind of fight his way through it at the end. And then you, you make the play where uh, Utermark, after pinch running, comes around to score. Yeah, yeah. So obviously a walk-off win, as we mentioned. But yeah, I think it starts on the mound. You know, Grayson, not just a, a great start. You know, six innings of, you know, uh, one run ball, you know, on, on a Sunday, which you don't see a lot in our league. But, you know, after, you know, throwing 70 pitches on Tuesday against Mississippi State, where he pitched really well. Uh, and so, you know, not, you know, necessarily, you know, super short rest or anything like that, but it's, you know, it's two, two starts and uh, more than you'll pitch in professional baseball. And he was brilliant on the mound. And, and then, you know, we go to the bullpen and, and Nichols has been good at his last, you know, handful of outings. 
uh, and it really was more they're doing than, than anything else. Some balls fall for them where it wasn't hit necessarily hard, but some balls found some holes. And, uh, and when you talk about plan, as we did, did uh, just did a couple minutes ago, the plan was, hey, when the game's on the line, you got to have the ball in Jack's hands. And so uh, we didn't want to go that early, but but we had to. And uh, and it was messy and it was tough. But, you know, the, the good news is we hung in there. Jack hung in there. And, and even though we, we blew a lead, we didn't give up a lead to, to them. And, you know, we held it to where – you know, we were, you know, a couple swings away from winning it, and unfortunately, TJ gets the big hit at the end. Visiting with Mike Bianco, Ole Miss head baseball coach, after the Rebels take two of three from Georgia this weekend. So, production at the bottom of the lineup. TJ McCants, Peyton Chatagnier played such a big role for you a year ago, and certainly the season maybe has not gone the way that those guys would have liked. They seem to be coming around a little bit over the last couple of weekends. I think Friday and yesterday, those two guys combined for three runs in each of those games. They, they did, and you know Peyton had a couple home runs this weekend, and and really not even you know last year, Richard. If you if you look back at the beginning of the year when we were playing well and, and non conference play, uh, one of the reasons that we thought the offense was so good is one through nine. Those guys, you know, I think opening weekend were batting eighth and ninth in the lineup, and two guys that played in Omaha, two guys that you know, as you said, finished the year well. But that was one of the reasons that we thought the lineup was so dynamic, and and we were able to score because. Because you know when you can only score at the top end of your lineup, uh, man, it, it it makes tough. It makes it tough because if those guys don't come through, man, it's another inning and a half, two innings before you know you flip that lineup back over. So when those guys, and not just Peyton, and not just you know TJ, but others, you know when well when Will Furness is swinging it, and other guys are swinging it from the the sixth spot down, uh, that makes that lineup that much better. All right, so you mentioned his name, and that's where I wanted to go next. It, it feels like Will Furness is becoming a whole lot more than just a last name or Eddie's son. Talk, talk to me about his development from when he stepped on campus last fall to where he is you know, with 39 games played for you. Well, certainly we think he's a player, but as you know, and you know, as we we know over the years, and as fans, certainly if you didn't know, you know it now. You know, it's this is a tough league to play as uh, as a freshman, and you know, when you got that name on the back of your jersey, you know, there's a lot of eyes on you. But when you start to look up and you start to look at how many starts, how many, you know, how much he's on the field, and um, you know, I'm I'm proud of it. You know, he's you know. You know, always hovered somewhere around 270, 280, and even into conference play where everybody's uh, average drops, everybody's ERA goes up. You know, Wills has kind of, you know, stayed steady there and, and, uh, he hasn't been great against the left handed pitching, but, but he got a big hit on Friday night against the left handed pitcher, big RBI. And, uh, you know, again, I think, you know, he's had a, a really solid, you know, freshman year where I think you can start to think where, hey, this guy's going to, you know, at some points, you know, kind of write his name into that middle of the lineup at some point. All right. So, so last thing for you: three weeks left in the regular season. Obviously, there is work to do to get into the SEC tournament. There's a ton of work to do if you guys are going to play your way into into the postseason. Do you, do you go one game at a time? Do you talk bigger picture about hey, we have no margin for error. This is what we've got to do if we want to get to where we want to go. 
Well, I think you have to play the game one game at a time. You got to play it one pitch at a time. I, I know it, it sounds like coaches speak, but it is. It's the only way that you do it. You can't win the Masters by talking about Sunday, right? You could better talk about your drive, you know, on, on the on the first, you know, on the first tee box, and and so that's where you got to stay, and and that's how you finish. Uh, but you know what? You know, there's shows like yours. There's websites. You know, if you want to count the games and you want to do all that, there's enough people counting them for you. So so, you know, it's not that they don't know. We don't need to get up on a, on a, a grease board to show the guys and start writing down schedules and all of that. They, they get all of that. And at the end of the day, you got to win your games. And so you better worry about the one in front of you. Maybe you need one of those posters in the locker room like they had in Major League. <laughs> you know, they never even heard of that movie, Major League. You're probably right. Coach, appreciate your time. We'll, uh, we'll catch up next Monday. Thanks, Richard. Mike Bianco, head coach of the Rebels, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm who's, Bureau. Uh, whose picture is that going to be on that poster? That's what I want to know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it just means more commercial actress. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. Porky. They could just get Richard in the banana hammock. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Just take a a piece off every every time we win, we remove a section. Mm. And at that point, they would say, you know, postseason is really not that big of a deal. We'll just just leave it covered up. We'll try again next year. They didn't win another game. Mike Bianco, uh, obviously in a good mood after the weekend, and deservedly so. Ole Miss taking two or three from Georgia. We'll be back. Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Bianco said he doesn't really have to talk to his team about, you know, big picture stuff because shows like ours do that for him. I kind of okay. feel like Kemp Alderman's not listening to Sports Talk Mississippi. I, I, maybe I he know. is. Kemp's a know. huge fan. I have a huge. feeling Kemp was uh, in the pit at the Morgan Wallen concert. Actually, if he was, I feel like somebody would have gotten hurt. And so I'm glad that didn't happen. Yeah. That's a dude you don't want to make mad. So, I was scrolling through Twitter over the course of the weekend, and I saw that Kemp has a an NIL deal with a boot company. Makes sense. Very fitting. Yeah. That is based here in Mississippi. And actually started in, in Pontotoc. What are you laughing at, hey, Dad? I mean, I just, Kemp Alderman, big old tattooed country boy with an NI deal with a boot company. How is he not at Mississippi State? <laughs> it's, Decatur is closer to uh, Starkville than it is to Oxford, isn't it? It is. It's like, how did this happen? So. That's a miss. They, um, they were selling these on the square at Double Decker on Saturday. 
and they were very reasonably priced. I had no idea that Kemp Alderman had an NIL deal with them when I saw this. Um, so they do the coolest thing, Borky. If you buy them, now you can't like order them online and get this done, but I guess you could send them. They will brand them for you. Nice. And so my my boots are completely shot and like not fit for anything but yard work. So I was kind of looking for a new pair of boots. I was like, hey, I'll try these out. Mississippi Bay's coming with um, double double D boots. I think is what they're called. Um. So. On the heel, and, and they're having to send them to me because they didn't have my size that day, but a little small brand of the state of Mississippi, like, burned into the leather. And then on, like, the, the bootstrap, there's an R and a C right there that they're branding into the strap where you pull them on. That was super cool. What, hey, Dad? Can't what, hide hey, cross Dad? Money. Can't hide cross money. I'm telling you, man, that they were very reasonably priced. What's the name of this Double D boots, you said? Yeah, I think that's right. This one that I found, Double D Ranch boots, is uh, started in Texas. Uh, is it, maybe it's Double B. I'm going to get this right. Maybe it's, is it Double B? Kemp, if you're listening, please, uh, please let us know. There's a double B boots right here. Yeah. There it is. It's double B boots. I'm sorry, not double D. Double B. Okay. Started in Pontotoc, Mississippi. And they're really cool looking and comfortable too. So I got the um the Yachna River Roper. After this, maybe I should call double B Man, and see if I, they're interested in being a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. But I, I used to fish the Yachna, man. There'd be a bridge uh, out past Taylor. Weekends with nothing to do in college, just drive out there and underneath the bridge, there was, you know, it was worn down, so it was like a sandy beach almost. You'd go drink beer and walk up the, wait up the river and catch fish all day, man. Clear water, sand bottom, which is atypical for Mississippi. It was awesome. Last time I was looking at a screen for, for boots, I was playing Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> hey, man, we gotta get you in some boots. Could you be a boots guy? Know. Not at these prices, but sure. Yeah, but I mean, for for nice boots, that's that that is not an unreasonable price. That's a reasonable price. Then no, yeah. I'm not a boots guy. Uh, Benjamin Bowen is the uh, is the founder. Met him the other day. Super nice guy. They're cool though. Yeah, they're very cool. But yeah. So, all right, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. You can uh, join us on the Ceasefire text line. Probably a, uh, <laughs> okay, very predictable. <laughs> DD, Richard's mind's in the gutter. Sorry. I almost made an off-color joke, too. Yeah, I figured uh, You're not alone. <laughs> I had about four loaded and locked, ready to go. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. But there is a, a Double D boot company. Just don't buy boots from there. there. Double B is where you need to... Mississippi, Mississippi Company, we're all about supporting Mississippi companies. Yeah, always. Yeah. There's another Mississippi company that uh, we are big supporters of, Genteel Apparel, the mm-hmm. official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can visit them online at genteelapparel.com and uh, check out the Collegiate Collection. Spring line is great. Hey, Dad, I have great news for you. Mm-hmm. We have shirts that are ready to I'm go listening. for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's so exciting. so last time we weren't mm-hmm. sure about the size for you, and so they did two different yeah. sizes. The larger yeah. of the two was your preference at the time. At the time. And so they set aside the others, and so now we've mm-hmm. got another batch that is a size lower, mm-hmm. and the next time you size down, which is you told me two to three months away. They just have they just have those. Then then you just you're just in stock and you are golden. All right. Sounds good. You can order off the shelf sizes up to 3X right now. Great patterns, stripes, patterns, collegiate collection, the whole deal. You're going to love them if you try them. Genteel apparel. Yeah. The best. What's your takeaway? Oh, did you guys think about it? Is there a guy that was taken in the draft uh, that uh, is kind of off the yeah. radar that you're like, you know what? That guy's got a chance. Got a real we chance. Him. We mentioned him a little bit ago. Keely Ringo is a guy I really enjoyed Ooh. watching in college. Ooh. And he just made big plays. I mean, he had the biggest play of all two years ago in the national championship game. When you're a good player on a good defense, you know, it, it's tough It's tough for a cornerback to stand out at Georgia because their defensive line eats up passers so much. But Ringo made big plays all the time. And then in the Eagles defense, with Slay on the other side, if he can get into the uh, lineup... He'll get some opportunities. Okay. Borky? I also thought of another potential number one pick for next year. But again, he's a guy who would have to take a big step forward. And Borky, go ahead and start shaking your head. But Quinn Ewers is potentially a number one pick next year. But he has to have the kind of year that you think he's going to have. He, he's got to go throw for 4,035 touchdowns mm-hmm. with yeah. He's got to put up the same kind of numbers like C.J. Stroud put up this year. But he's still not as athletic as Caleb Williams. No, he's not, but, I mean, people will overlook that if he's if he puts up huge numbers. Yeah. But Caleb Williams, assuming he stays healthy, is also going to put up huge numbers. Is, yeah. You, you got some good quarterback play in, uh, yeah. uh, in, in, in college football this year. Working, some, who's your off-the-radar guy? Uh, A.T. Perry from Wake Forest. Okay. Went to the Saints late in the draft. Six-round uh, pick. Of course you went with the Saints. Of course. Guy. He had 12 100-yard-plus receiving games in college. 12 of them. Big-bodied athletic receiver. Apparently the team was shocked he was still there in the sixth round. Like, utterly flabbergasted that he was there. He's a steal. He's a great player. Okay. I like it. I think the real answer, obviously, is Jake Hayner. So that's that's the, the easy answer. Hey, gonna I, be a I saw multi-time Pro Bowler. Saints people were critical of that too, and I'm just like, do you guys watch? Like, the, do you remember what happens during these seasons? For the last three years, the Saints have had to depend heavily on the backup quarterback. Each of the last three seasons, and they go draft a guy that describes Derek Carr as his mentor and Drew Brees as his hero in the fourth round. And you're mad? I, I I just don't understand it. Like, kid's got all the upside in the world. He's competitive. He's a gamer. Fits your culture. All that stuff. You didn't overspend like you like the Titans did on Will Levis. And you're going to have to use him at some point. I, I don't understand the backlash on drafting quarterbacks. Same thing with the Rams. They drafted Stetson Bennett. Like, Matt Stafford's going to get hurt at some point. It's football. Even quarterbacks, as protected as they are, get hurt. 
Don't you want the backup to be somebody that has experience playing in big games, has some ability, is athletic? It, it makes sense. You'd think. Jump cut here, guys. Did you hear about the story oh. from Texarkana this weekend? Yeah. There was a college baseball game, an NAIA baseball game, between Texas A&M, Texarkana, and University of uh, the University of Houston, Victoria. They were playing at George Dobson Field at Spring Lake Park in Texarkana. Just to the west of the ball field in a neighborhood, an argument turned into a shooting match between several men, and a stray bullet struck a player on the field about 400 yards away from the house where this happened. Matthew Delaney from Princeton, Texas, was standing near the bullpen at the ballpark during a game while the game was going on, and he was hit in the chest by the bullet. The Texarkana Police Department said it received calls of shots fired in a neighborhood just west of the park. Believes the bullet that struck Delaney was from a shootout that took place there. Police officer said one of those errant rounds traveled about 400 yards and struck the innocent victim in the ball on the ball field. Wow. They stopped the game. It was declared a no contest, and they have uh, made some arrests but are still looking for a couple of other suspects. It's crazy. The best. The best. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. If you are into the NBA playoffs, Philadelphia and Boston coming up at 6.30 tonight on TNT. No Joel Embiid for Philly in at least Game 1, probably Game 2 also. Possible, but we'll see. Uh, Game 2 between Phoenix and Denver is the late game tonight on TNT. That could slash should be a fun series. Denver's up one game to none. And if hockey's your thing... Rangers, Devils, Game 7 tonight on ESPN. Yeah. Historic day yesterday in hockey. Incredible. Yeah, it was. So, the reigning champs out and the best team in league history for the regular season out after leading three games to one. Boston goes down to the Florida Panthers, led three games to one, lost at home, had a lead in the third, couldn't hold on, best record in the history of the regular season in the NHL. Both one seeds bounced in the first round. Avalanche, Colorado Incredible. Avalanche are out. I guess Denver's got other things to worry about, though, right now with basketball teams. Yeah, it was electric, though, man. I tell myself every year, I'm going to be a Predators fan. They're the closest team to here. I'm going to adopt them. I'm finally going to follow through. That was I, I watched the end of the, the Panthers-Bruins game last night. Mm-hmm. You know what's uh, and the most one of the most underrated things in sports? Sad Boston sports fans. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you don't have to twist Richard's arm on that. Uh, it is the you. best. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. All right, so the weekend that was now in the books for baseball. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. 
and in the 4 o'clock hour as well. Mississippi State has made a change at pitching coach. Scott Foxhall is out. And somebody texted us earlier that they had heard a rumor that they were not going to replace him in season. Yeah, and um, I, we talked about that. I just, I just don't see that happening with Highfield being a true freshman behind the plate for all these, or a lot of these games. I, I just can't see that. Well, but the, I think the idea was more that the pitchers will call their game as opposed to the catcher calling a game. You know, in, in conjunction with Chris Lamona's scouting report, et, et cetera. So we'll see. How do you but, do that? Do you like? Can, can you send? Yeah, how, as a how, do you, how do you let the catcher know what's coming? Like the, the pitcher's going to give the signal? Well, I mean, the catcher may still give the signal, but the pitcher's either shaking or nodding or I, I don't know. I, I don't know you do what that they'll quick. do with that. Yeah. Which, yeah, by the way, yeah, you, don't, you don't have time. Guess what's not a story anymore? The pitch clock. Adjustments were made. Games are faster. They feel more fluid. Nobody's talking about it anymore. Yeah. I think Ole Miss and Georgia played multiple three-hour games this weekend, but it wasn't multiple four-hour games. Right. We can live with three hours. They're fine. Pace was fine. Yeah. Um, Mississippi State, no midweek games. So they uh, they finished on Saturday in Knoxville, and they will start it up this weekend at home against our – is that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or is it Saturday, Sunday, Monday? Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday Sunday. Okay. Ole Miss is Thursday, Friday, Saturday at Missouri. They'll play in Columbia Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I think the games are 6-6-2, six, six, and two, I think. Uh, but Ole Miss has its Kids' Day game tomorrow, and so they will play in front of six or 7,000 screaming kids at Swayze with an 11 o'clock first pitch tomorrow. Anytime a ball goes in the air, might as well be a grand slam. They go nuts. Love they it. Go nuts. It's, it's a fun environment. Yeah. You wouldn't want to do it every day, every game. But it's a uh, it's a cool environment. So you got Ole Miss and who is it? Little Rock tomorrow at eleven at Swayze. Um, we'll spend a little more time on draft stuff tomorrow, and get to a little more college football with you tomorrow afternoon as well. Chris Lamonis has his radio show tonight. It's possible that we'll get a little more clarity on kind of Mississippi State's plan going forward through the final three weeks of the uh, the regular season in terms of how they're handling the uh, the pitching staff and calling pitches and the way the game uh, flows and all of that. So uh, it'll be interesting to, uh, to see how that plays out. Uh, final three weekends for Mississippi State, Arkansas at home, LSU on the road, and then Texas A&M at home. Ole Miss closes out at Missouri, back home for Auburn, and then they close, uh, finish the year in uh, in Tuscaloosa. And I think Ole Miss is Thursday, Friday, Saturday for their final three weekends. That is correct. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Uh-huh. This weekend, next weekend at home against Auburn, and then the final weekend, everybody plays Thursday, Friday, Saturday with the short turnaround before the start of the SEC tournament. So that is what is coming up. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Enjoy your evening. Hey, you got like an hour and 45 minutes of daylight left. I'll go home and fill in the area around the pipe that I had to dig up and replace in the yard. (laughs) Oh, joy. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl, uh, Pearl River Resort Studio. Have a great night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.